Two things are in order to begin. First, of course, to thank our host and hostess, Romy and Toby Fine, for opening up the beautiful home, Tyra, and they should be. They should, they should, every room should be filled with naches and bracha, and they should be zeichet to do more and more mitzvahs in this home. Also, I want to apologize. I was waiting all day. There's supposed to be a 50 strong dropped off. I had my shliach and bar park didn't, didn't come by. I don't know what happened. So I'm going to try to go myself tomorrow. I apologize. I, I don't know what happened. But uh, I'll try to take care of it myself. So I know there were a few there were a few women that asked at the end last week. I really feel bad. I, I, uh, I'll try to take care of it as soon as possible. So I said tomorrow I hope to be there. And I just should, you know, should work out until show. So just one more time you can look on. There, you know, there are also... Okay, we're on page Chavzai. We learned last week, and by the way, Mitch, next week we'll be, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back here, Mitch Hashem. Also, <clears throat> we learned last week that Kirvis Alakimli, type closeness to Hashem, which the closeness that David Melch was talking about, that there are two types of closeness in the world. There's physical closeness and there's emotional closeness, or like with a relative or a close friend. And there's no question that we're craving, that we are close to Hashem's Baruch physically because there's no space in the universe that's, that He doesn't fill. So we're close to Him every single second. He's, he's not only are we close to him, but he's mamish in us. We're in him. There's no there's no separation. You can't get closer as far as that's concerned. And as far as mishpacha is concerned, and being best friends, the whole Tanakh is one big story of the ups and downs of that friendship, and of the relationship that we have with Hashem, which is banimatam, his children, his wife. In one place, he refers to us even as his mother. It's an amazing thing. Chas and Kala, all descriptions of closeness. So what's the problem? So we, we were up to last week, the last paragraph on Chav Zayin, the paragraph we did, paragraph Lamed. We learned the last few lines, the Harishon Ukraifim, we're close, on both levels of closeness. Ulon Nechseres HaGoshes HaKirva Be'ayfin Muchashi. The problem is that we don't feel that closeness. Right here, Blima? Right here, let's see. My guide didn't show up. So I got another bride. Oh, scared that you walked. Just, <laughs> I just have comfortable blaming you now. You would do it, I didn't know, right? Yeah, I know you would, that's why I'm nervous. <laughs> so the problem is that, that we don't feel the closeness. In Mitzias, we're close, and we're going to learn more about how there's nobody closer in Mitzias in reality. The problem is that we know it intellectually, but we don't feel it. We don't feel it. We don't feel that closeness. Let's continue with Lamed Aleph. I apologize again that, that the Svarim didn't come. And, and Mitchell, next time should be, should be have, you should have them, and then you'll be able to have them the rest of the year and the rest of your lives. In order to make this something which is more tangible, in order to understand this this dilemma, this problem of being close but not feeling the closeness, 
But Sadiq here explains that we have such a we have a similar situation like this. There are examples that we have like this from life. That not every closeness is something which can be felt. Let's give two examples on both levels of closeness. The closeness that is of space. The closeness of family. Where this closeness is not necessarily known to the person. So first of all, term humtsaha microscope. Before the before the invention of the microscope. If you would come before the microscope, if you would have asked somebody, do you know that there are these little creatures? There are millions of little creatures that are just uh, right right next to you, all the time, all around you, on top of you, you know, millions of creatures. <clears throat> He would swear that any problem without feeling any, any, uh, anything wrong with making an oath, he would swear, he would have sworn that there are no bugs or creatures that are next to him. There's nothing next to him. There's nothing there. So everybody knows that that with the discovery of uh, with with the discoveries of modern science, we're surrounded by all kinds of things. There are problems in halacha now. With the uh, I think our area is mostly exempt from this, but in Brooklyn, Queens, our brothers and sisters are are having problems with drinking water. With all the issues that are taking place, and how does halacha define the seeable or unseeable little creatures that that are. You know that all over the, they're all over the place, and and if we and, and if we think we don't have them, it's just that they're so microscopic that we can't see them. Much like in Brooklyn and in Queens and Manhattan, that maybe they're bigger. <laughs> but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, they're, they're everywhere. So somebody would have sworn, somebody would have sworn, before the invention of the microscope, that that's that's not true. There's nothing there. Avshabara now we know with absolute certainty that that person would, would, that the person who would have said that who said that was making a mistake. Not only are there not only are there all kinds of creatures that are surrounding us every moment of our lives, but inside of us there are millions and billions of little particles and things. Some that are good and some that are not good, but they're all over the place. But because the eye of a human being and any look like Zeiss, the eye of a human being. Can't, can't register, can't see any of these little creatures. And as, as much as we try to see these things, we can't look. You know, sometimes you're walking in the street and the sun is is going, it, it, the sun is shining in a certain way, and then you see those little things flying around. You know what I'm talking about? Gnats. I don't know what they are. There's something that they don't look good, but they're like swarming. So I always have this question. I just don't know anything about science. I'm always wondering. Are they, is it like that everywhere? I just don't see it. It just happened that the sun came in that spot. Then I don't like to think about that. And I figure, no, this must be the only spot like in the area where it happens to be that they got together having some sort of a convention. But otherwise, otherwise, it's not like they're all over the place. But then someone told me, no, it's mamish. It's mamish everywhere. It's just that the sun, you happen to see, the, you happen to see it that second that they're there. That's a horrible thought. That means we're, 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 we're making our way through all kinds of yucky things all the time. 
that we can't see with our eyes. So he says that since a person can't see this, you know, Rav Meir Simchev from Dvinst, the Orsameh, he once defined nature, he said an interesting thing, he says Teva, he described Teva like like the frames of a, a I think, is that what it's called, like in a film, you know, you have the, the separate frames, is that the word, frame in the film? It's like the separate, it says, is that you can't see any of the frames, right, separately. Because it's moving so quickly, everything is going in such a way that, that, that you, can't, you can't really take note of that separate individual frame. Although there are people who have used that uh, illegally, because there is something inside of the human mind that does see that the eye can't, that the eye can't see, or it doesn't register, and they try to influence people by those separate frames, like the, you know, like in the, the movie theater where the, uh, I don't know if they ever did this, but I always heard that they would like make it very, they would lower the air conditioning, it would be very, very hot, and then they'd have, in the film, in the movie, they would like have some, some Coca-Cola freezing, you know, ice, and the person couldn't see it with the eyes, but the it's there. So we know that in Teva, in nature, in the world, there are millions and billions of things that are there that we don't see. We simply can't see. We're four lines up from the bottom of Chav As much as you try to see, you can't see. And if you, since you can't see it with your eyes, you're certain that it doesn't exist. It's an obvious, it's a mistake. It's simply a mistake. We see, we see that a person can be so close to something, physically close, and he has no idea that he's that, that, that it's there. This is all the time. Next page, page Chav Ches. Now let's talk about the other kind of closeness. So as far as physical closeness is concerned, it's it's very obvious and very common that there are things that are physically around us that we can't see. That are, we're close to, but we don't see. Then as far as the other type of closeness, family closeness. He writes that many people came to Eretz after the Holocaust. Kemat Without hardly with any anybody in the family, there was nobody left. They, they, they couldn't find anyone, and they came to Eretz and, and to America also. Wherever Jews, wherever Jews ended up, you know, getting a boat to leave after the Holocaust, people came and they didn't have anybody. And the loneliness that they felt without family, Heika al Rucham was was hurting them terribly. These people were oppressed by loneliness. And people went to great effort to try to search for and to find somebody that was left from the family, or somebody that was in Eretz Yisrael from before, to find some mishpacha. My father, I mentioned this in Shul, my father described how after the war, when he was in, he was in Budapest after the war, where a lot of the where a lot of the Jews uh, gathered together, waiting for transports to different locations. My father said that's all they did all day long. There was this big boulevard over there, some some very beautiful. My father some very beautiful wide boulevard, and all day long there were tens of thousands of Sherif Saplita of Eden survivors, 
They were just walking up and down. All day long, walking my mamish from from the time that it was light to the time that it was dark, just trying to find, to look for a familiar face, to find someone. <coughs> he says, He says, there were cases that we know where a person lived in a building, talking about Eretz Yisrael after the war, where somebody lived in a building, he had a neighbor in the apartment above him. And that means that there was no special, there was no real friendship. They were neighbors, so maybe say good morning or whatever. But there was no friendship between these two neighbors, anything unusual. And, and, and there were cases where each one was looking for the other one for many years. They're relatives, but they didn't even know who they, they didn't even know. Sometimes names would change, sometimes there were different things, sometimes you didn't know that that person was related to you. And there are, there are stories like this. Shana, 20 years later, After 20 years, where they're living next door to each other in the same building, 20 years later they find out that they're related. And all they wanted, all those 20 years, they were chalishing for relatives. That's all they were looking for. They were looking for each other. They might have known, they might have heard that the other one was still alive, but they didn't know that it was him. Or they heard they had a relative in Eretz Yisrael, but they didn't know that, that was the person. B'nai Dodem, it could be cousins. Muzula Za'ein lahem kreivim be'aretz And they had no other relatives in Eretz Yisrael or anywhere else in the world. These were the only two that were left. And all they were looking for was each other. And they were living next door to each other. And they didn't know. We see that it's possible that you could pass by your closest relative, somebody that you're very, very close to. And it could be somebody who you know. In this case, it was the neighbor. And he knows that person. But since you don't know that this is your relative, you don't know that this is the person who you're related to, you don't feel any emotional connection to the person. And the second that they tell you, the second that somehow it's become revealed that this is, the, this is your cousin, and they start crying and hugging each other and kissing and the, and then all that kirva and all the longing and missing of the past 20 years just gushes out into the world. Their mom is passing each other every day and saying, Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And they didn't know. So, Harelo Fenenu Shtedugmos. We see here two examples. Shtedugmos grows clear examples. Ba'ifen shel kirvas makam vekirvas mishpacha. Where you could be next to somebody or something and not know it. You can be next to all these bugs and, and so on, and you have no idea that they're there. The kibbutz mishpach means you could be a blood relative with a person and not feel anything for that individual because you don't know that he's your karav. Sha'adam karav ma'aydladavar ulam rachik mimenu. That you could be very close but very far. We can't show any day shul karav since you don't know that you're either physically close or you don't know that you are. Uh, that that's mishpacha, that that's that's your family, that you that you have a, a connection that goes back for thousands of years. You don't even know. 
It's the same problem that we have with Hashem. In this kirva that we're looking for with God. We know, we learn, and we understand, again, intellectually, that we are next to Hashem. Hashem is mamish with us every single second of our lives. Much closer than any lahavdal, than any little bug, that, that's flying around much closer than any little bacteria lahavdal that's you know that's sitting inside of us. Hashem is, Hashem is inside every single every single cell of who we are. But since but since we don't see since we don't see the Rebbeinu Shlomo next to us, should say that means that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that no human being can see me and live. So it's impossible to see God. I mentioned this past Matzai Shabbos at the Shia that, that it, and I mentioned, I, I said this once by Shabbos Shuvah, or I think Shabbos Shuvah maybe, or Anyam Kippur, that after the Muhammad I read in the Sefer, that after the war, when the Satan Rav he came to America, so he had a small minion in Williamsburg. He had a small minion the first year, and, and the minion consisted mostly of, of all the Tzibroch and the Jews that came, that came from the war. And, and the Satan Rebbe started to scream out, he said, I mean, he screamed out that, Rabbi Shalom, we know that you're here, we know 100% that you're here, but Rabbi Shalom, show yourself to us, because we can't go on like this. After what we went through, Rabbi Shalom, we need to see you. Now, he wasn't talking about something physically. Of course, we know we can't see Nobody knew that better than the tzaddik. You can't see God like you would see a person. But he was, he was saying, show me, if at least it should be so clear to me that you're still with us. Because after what we've gone through, we just need that feeling of your closeness because otherwise it's hard for us to go on. And we know we can't see you. And we need to feel your presence. So since we can't see Hashem, and there are times in life that we desperately are chalishing, not to physically see, which we understand we can't, but to know with absolute certainty and to feel that He's mamish with us. <coughs> he says, but the problem is, since we can't see Him, so we don't feel that closeness, on that level of closeness, that definition of closeness, which means proximity. Physical closeness, we don't feel it because we don't see. And since human beings, since human beings are, are, are part of this world, and our way of defining reality is according to the chukim, the laws of this world, we, when we see that something is close, so we feel its closeness. And that's why we're not thinking about all the bugs and bacteria. I mean, a normal person doesn't think about... I mean, there are people that, that, are, that are Nebuch not well, and they think all the time about this stuff. You know, I, told, I, I mentioned to you once I had a teacher in first grade. There was a path. I remember, I'm still scared if I think about her. Like so many years. It, 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 it's, it's, it's like 42 years ago. I still, when I think about her, it scares me. She was so scary looking. And she, she wore all the time a surgical mask. Because she said that the children, she, said, well, she used to tell us they were all filthy and covered with germs. So she wore a surgical mask and she wore white gloves like, like, like she was in a hospital or something. And, and, if, and she would always, she would always like, if a kid went like to ask her something, she would always tell the kid to stand up. I remember that. 
so there are people that never that, that there are people. Yeah, you also had a teacher like that. I'm assuming that's one. Uh, I, what? What? I don't know. I don't know, but I, where, 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 wherever he was, I was happy he wasn't there. I don't know where he was. So <clears throat> that was the first great English teacher. I mean, she was a she, she was a, I mean, very very angry all the time. It was very. It wasn't. It wasn't just. I mean, she saw us as being bacteria. You understand? So a, a person who's well doesn't think like that. Doesn't think about uh, doesn't think about gems. God forbid if somebody's not well. Chas v'chalil, and the doctor says that you have to be careful uh, for every little thing. There are people never who have to watch out, right? But we don't think like that because we live with what we see. And if I don't see it, it's good that I don't see it, right? It's good that I don't see it. I always say my, my son's all gesundheit. He's been in exercise for two years, and 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 we get along so beautifully. <laughs> Such a machaya, unbelievable. I mean, I miss him. I love him. I talk to him on the phone. It's Gavaldi. Everything he does is good. Everything is perfect. You know, but when he's here, it's, it's like because you know because I see everything and I try not to, but I just see and I don't want to see it. But I, you know, I, I, so so if I don't see it, the mistam it's good. The problem is that we look, that's how we look at the world. We, we see it, and if we see it, no. and if we don't see it, we don't see it. So we don't see Hashem's Baruch. And that's the hardest thing for us. We understand why there is such a deep need for human beings to see God, that most of the world, on one level or another, I'm not talking about, in this respect, the Muslims are strong, but with the exception of, with the exception of Jews and Muslims, most of the world still insists on so, in some way of having a visible, a visible vestige or symbol of God's presence. And how could it be that, that intelligent people would, would build statues and would worship statues and would, and would need to have all kinds of physical things that, that to them somehow contained the, a deity? We understand because human beings are desperate for, for relating in that way. And that, that gives birth to, to idolatry. And it hurts us that the Baruch Shalom, it hurts us that the Baruch Shalom doesn't, doesn't allow himself to be seen. And people have a hard time with that. And therefore they, 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 they create a religion where God can't be seen. Because they can't go on believing and worshipping a God that's unseen. That's where Vodazar comes from. But the Baruch Shalom said, Kilo Yerani Adam you can't. So who Yodesh HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shalom. So, first of all, even though the Baruch Shalom is mamish there, but we don't feel close to him because we don't see him. So we're not, we don't see that he's close to us. And then also, Let's talk about the second type of closeness, family. So, every, everyone knows that Hashem, we all know that he's our father. But you say the words of our father in Shemaim, the words are empty. We don't feel that he's our father. He knows that Hashem is his friend, intellectually. But he doesn't feel that God is his friend. And a person often feels that if he'd be my father, then how did he let this happen to me? And if he'd be my brother, then why did this happen to me? If he'd be my friend, then how could this happen? And so on. And a person, for many, many reasons, is with Hashem every single second. 
it's Hashem's our father, but we already learned that you could have somebody that's uh, it could be a cousin, it could be a friend, it could be a father or a mother, and it could be somebody that's that's nearby, and you don't know. Let's say you have a person who thought for many, many years that his father had passed away already. That's what that's what he was led to believe. And then and then what? Then then he gets the information, he gets the news that your father still loved. This happened also after the war. This happened after and that I once told in Shul a few years ago. I believe it was on Shmuel Yitzchak. That's what happened to my father when he was on the street. When he was on the street in Budapest, that happened to him because he was told by my uncle's best friend. My father met my uncle's closest friend and his his brother's friend, who told him that your brother was killed. That I was there when their brother was taken and they killed him. And my father gave up on that. And on that street, my father's my father was walking up and down for months, and then from far away he saw. A familiar, a familiar limp, uh, and that was that was that was his brother, and he, and and ever since then they 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 are inseparable, they haven't gone away from each other, and that was, that was, my father, was told that there's no one from his family that's alive. He went back to his hometown. There was nobody there. Many of the Jews then, as you know, they first tried to check if it was possible to get back to their hometown. That, that maybe others would go back and see what's doing. There was nobody there. There wasn't one relative that was alive. And then he went. Then he went back to, to, to Hungary, and they were waiting for transport. And, and he was looking for somebody. And he was told that he knew that his parents wasn't shy, but he was hoping that there was somebody else. He already knew that there was. He already knew of. of uh, he knew already of two older brothers that had been killed. And and the, his last hope was this one brother's older son, my father's older brother, who lives in Queens. And he was, and he, he was he was hoping that was his last hope. And then he met the friend and said, "I'm sorry that you, your brother your brother was was taken." You know that he saw him taken away, but she was. But then a whole, you know, it was a whole nice. What happened? He was taken away. And so he thought that they shot him, but they shot someone else, and then he they threw him back into into line. Whatever it was, my father thought that he was finished. He didn't have a relative in the world, and then he found out that his brother was alive. These things can happen. That's what's going to. That's what we're going to feel like when we when we when we get close to the Rosh again. We thought all of these years we couldn't dive and we couldn't feel close to him. We felt that even though we knew intellectually, but inside of us he had died. So it's possible to find Shaida Vinu Chai. It's possible to discover that our father is still alive. And, and he said, and suddenly if they tell him that his father is still alive, and they say, you know what? If you want, you could still see your father. His heart would be filled with immeasurable joy that he could still go and see his father. And he discovered that that what he once what he once thought was absolutely final that he would never see his father again. It's not true. It was a mistake. We're going to talk in a few minutes about Yosef and Yaakov, where that actually happened, right? With Yaakov and Yosef. Any Jew, any, any Jew in the world who has not worked hard to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the same way, I mean, it's not the same, but Al-Darach Marshall, that if you haven't 
try to see what's next to you, then you go your whole life without seeing any of those things that are next to you. Anybody who hasn't worked hard, to be able to be makir Hashem, to know Hashem, to recognize Him, as ha'aba ha'amiti shalom, to know his true father, Hashem is Baruch, who ain't a makir He'll go his entire life without ever noticing him, without really knowing him. Maybe he knows about him, but he doesn't know him. Ulaihu yodeyeshu Might know that his father is alive. He knows that he has a father. But he never met his father. That's our problem. That's the problem with the davening, that's the problem with our mitzvahs, that's the problem, that's why it's so hard. Like a person who knows that his father lives in Chutzlaretz. I've had students like that, whose fathers left them when they were infants, and they never saw their father. And at some point in life, so they, 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 they're constantly vacillating between hating the person and never wanting to see this person and then being filled with the most powerful need to be able to, to, to see the father that, 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 they, never, that they never met. And I, I've had more than one over the years tell me them like this, girls, boys, that, that were, where there was a father that, 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 that disappeared. In Russia there were quite a few students, Russian students of mine, that their father finished. So the, so the kid screaming, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, but then they spend years trying to find him. So it's possible that somebody's father could be in Chutzlaretz, but after my we never saw him. Kain hadaver, Adam shlei Omal Rabbis lahakiras bayre. You can't just see Hashem. You can't just be feel close to Him. As as we spoke about the other last time, little children, since they're so close to their time of being created, when we were little, it was a very natural thing to feel that closeness. Even without studying, even without learning, even without thinking about it, children teva, who are so, they, children see like in a different way. So th- there's that closeness. But as we grow up, there are a million mechitzes, there are a million things that are blocking us from Hashem. So if a person doesn't try to be makir Hashem, if you don't make it the effort of your life, if it's not the biggest project of your life, the biggest, bigger than raising kids, bigger than, than, than nurturing a relationship with, you, with a husband or with a wife, bigger than anything, as we're going to learn. If that's not the biggest project of your life, lahakir is bayri, to know Hashem, then he says, We're not talking about philosophy, with all kinds of philosophical inquiries. El HaKaras HaLev A feeling of His presence A closeness of heart An emotional An emotional awareness Of His presence HaYihi Yodeya Shalei Abba You can go to 120 Knowing that you have a father Hashem Ulam Hu Eino Makir Aviv Kimat Just like that person who grew up without his father God forbid Doesn't know him at all but a person who works at this, and we can, and we will, this is the tachlis of our lives, to work at this. It doesn't happen on its own. There are some people that are more naturally inclined than others. That's true. 
that has to do with many factors. It could do with the bigness of the neshamas of the parents. It has to do with the, with the kedusha of how the parents conceive them. There are many, many, many things, many factors that that could give one a little bit of an edge over somebody else. And and only Hashem Baruch knows how to how to judge each and every one of us by those factors and depending upon where we come from and how we were raised and even how we were conceived. All of these things, where the neshamas come from, who the zaydis and the babis, all of these things, the Barishalm is completely fair in how he judges us. But it's true, there are certain people for whom davening comes easier. Not as many as we think. <laughs> we just think that people that close their eyes and do a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of davka, as you know. Not as many as we think, but there are people who are inclined to that. There, there are people like somebody was just telling me about that there's this, there's this little boy that became like best friends with the square rabbi. It's a little boy. It's a boy. But the, and the, he just had this thing that he fell in love with the square rabbi. I guess there are many millions of reasons for that. He's a person to fall in love with. And his father took him there and he fell in love and he just didn't give up on trying to get into the rabbi and to see the rabbi. And, and his father took him. You know, for bracha, and the boy says stuff like, "I'd like to speak to you again." <laughs> and the rebbe was so taken by him, and the rebbe said, "Okay." And apparently, over the years, this is what I was just being told. Apparently, over the years, he he sits with the rebbe for longer than almost any adult in the world. They, there's like this this friendship between them, and the rebbe spends spends hours and hours with this boy. Not, not that he comes to him, you know, he doesn't have problems, he's a kid. He doesn't have, not like adults, everybody comes running to the tzaddik, right? He, he talks to him. They talk. It's an amazing thing. <coughs> there, there is such a thing that, that a person has an inclination from somewhere that drives him to Hashem and, and wanting to be close to Hashem is part of wanting to be close to the tzaddik is all, of course... A tzaddik is the, is the clearest reflection of Hashem. That, that desire, that need to be near tzaddik, and the excitement that you feel when you're in the presence of a tzaddik, when you walk into the house and you know that there's a tzaddik there, when the tzaddik walks into the room and there's a hush that falls over the room, you know that, that unbelievable awe when a tzaddik walks in. Because all of us have so many things that are blocking between us and God, but when a tzaddik walks in, there's so much transparency, you know. When a tzaddik walks in, is the closest you can get to Hashem. When you're standing next to, when you're standing in the presence of a tzaddik, it's like, it's like a, a, a thing that 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 is that is through whom the Rebbeinu Shalom is shining into your life, because he doesn't have stuff that's blocking. That's why little children have such a closeness to Hashem, because they don't have issues. Kids don't have issues. Adults have all kinds of issues. So our issues, our issues obstruct. Hashem obstruct the presence of a Baruch Hu in, uh, in a, to, uh, to ourselves and, and when others see us they don't necessarily feel godliness that surrounds us that fills us but a child does not like that since a child doesn't have all kinds of you know he's not committed to all kinds of ideas and people and things and political views and so on a child is transparent that's what's so sweet and so beautiful that's children are so beautiful because they, they didn't build up their faces aren't covered with layers of tithes of, of of ugliness and of ego and of desires and and of and of things that obstruct God's light. A child is so beautifully transparent, translucent and shining. That's what makes a child so sweet. And you see the innocence of a child. <clears throat> and that's why you go to a tzaddik and the tzaddik could say to you, you could you could be going to classes for fifty years and you and you heard a million shirim on a certain subject, and the tzaddik in one sentence, the tzaddik says to you, this is what you should do. 
And he doesn't even explain to you. He didn't, he didn't tell you why the, he didn't tell you that the morale is like that, and the Rav Dessa says like this, and the Sassam says, he just says, you should do that. And then, and then all you want to do is to fulfill the will of the Tzaddik. Because you feel that Hashem told you that. That's what you feel. You feel that the Barishalom told you that. Why? Because the Tzaddik, there's so little blockage. The Tzaddik doesn't have an ego. So when you're next to the Tzaddik, you feel so much more connected. You feel that, that your father is Mamish next to you. And that the, tzaddik, that the Tzaddik is like a prism through which Hashem's light shines into your life. And then you don't need this Fasamis Namaral. You don't need that. You don't, you, don't need the, you don't need a million explanations and rationalizations and justifications. Just that the Barnasham says, Mamala, I want you to do this. You don't... You, you, you don't, and if you know it's the Rabbanu Shalom, then you don't, you don't demand an explanation. You don't demand the reason. It doesn't have to be. Because you see Hashem's Baruch when you're in the presence of the Tzaddik. You see Him. You feel that He's Mamish. You feel Him. So the Tzaddik can just say to you, do this, it's good for you. And you don't have a need to ask Bechlal. Just do this. Why should I do this? I want you to do this. And that, that, that's, that's Hashem's Baruch speaking through the Tzaddik. That's why I once told you, I think I once told you that the, the, that they used to say, that I told this, I think, last year, that the Rebbe of Zushia, they used to they used to say that the Rebbe of Zushia never heard any of the Mizritcha Magus tires. You know, the, you know, the Rebbe of Zushia was the, the holiest, the holiest, the holiest. He was like a little boy, and he was so deep. And the Rebbe of Zushia, they say he didn't hear any of the Mizritcha Magus tires. So once the Rebbe Baruch Meshbitz was saying, oh, well, why, why is that? Everybody knows. Because what would happen is that the, that his, the Rebbe, the Mizrit Shemagid, the Rebbe Baruch would begin to say, how, does it, how do you begin a tire? You say, the positive, what would happen is that the Rebbe Baruch would start jumping up and down and clapping his hands and screaming, the Baruch spoke to my shirt. <laughs> the Barishal spoke, and, he, and he, he would make a whole tumult, and then they would have to, all the tzaddikim that were there, the students, and the, the Mishra would tell him, get out of here, we can't learn with you. He started dancing and jumping, did you hear, he grabbed everybody, the Barishal spoke to you, and did you understand what that means? So, the, so he never, they say he never heard any of the terms, because they used to always send them out of the room. <laughs> so the, so the Rebbe Baruch Meshbitz said this over, and the Chassidim were all laughing when he said this over. And the Rebbe Baruch was a very, he didn't joke. So the Rebbe Baruch said, what are you laughing? The emiss is, the emiss is, that if we would be real Jews, all we would have to hear would be, We wouldn't need anything else. All the rest of the words, is because we have blockage. The Rebbe Abzushi was a little boy. He was the holiest little boy. And when the Baruch Shalom said, all it needed to say is, That's all you really need. You don't need anything else. The rest of the stuff is because we have problems. So because of all of our problems and our issues, so there have to be all kinds of this, and Rashis, and Radaks, and Rambans, and Rambams, and Tosis, until finally maybe the Bershman could quetch out of Shabbos from us, right? And even then, not 100%. And even that doesn't work out a lot of times. And that people have tainus of Shabbos, and how long Shabbos is. And the Rebbe of Zushia, and the Rebbe of Zushia, he says, Be'emes, Vayidab, Hashem, is enough. That's all. So what he's explaining here, this is what he, if a person, if a person feels that, he says, uh, it's not talking about intellectual knowledge. That's not going to get you through a difficult time that you know intellectually. That's not going to get you through a difficult time. 
and we can. And the Baal Shalom taught us in his Torah how we can work at this, which we're going to be learning more about, of course. But, The more we learn about this, the more we realize, not only did we not feel his closeness, we didn't even know what it meant when we said he was our father. We don't even know what that means to say he's a father. But what does it mean? Our only understanding of father is a biological father. We don't, didn't, we don't even know what it means to say those words, the sweetest words, we don't even know what that means. There was a breast of a tzaddik that lived in Williamsburg. He died some years ago. He was like the head of the breast of a chassidim in, in, in New York. You know, they don't have a, they don't have a rabbi. It was Rabbi Nachem, was the rabbi. But they, but they had like a rosh of the chabur. So, his name was Slitsky. He was a big tzaddik. He was a fiery breast of a chassid. So, so he said once, that it happened that it was on a it was on a on a Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah he said he and Rosh Hashanah by Breslov is big, big, big. He said that he couldn't by every Jew, but Rabbi Nachman made a very big in you with Rosh Hashanah. And he said that he couldn't he couldn't daven. He he didn't know he was trying to say the words and it, it wasn't going. Like, you know, he, he, there was nothing I mean I'm sure for us it would have been probably very good. But for him it wasn't going. So he didn't know what to do, and and then on top of everything, on top of everything, he had a little, he had his little son, who was like you know was in shul and was like annoying him. He said his kid was pulling at his coat and he's trying to think about the davening and he can't concentrate, he can't, he can't come to the words, and and then he said he finally he finally noticed he was trying so hard to concentrate on the on the machzer that his kid was crying and the kid was saying tati but tati. Like sometimes you're, you're a little bit in another world and, and your child is saying, Mommy, Daddy, right? So the phone, saying, Tati, Tati, and the kid was crying. So they, so they said that he looked at his child and he realized that that's, that's the way to daven. That's all it is. And he said that he just started to cry, Tati, Tati, and he started to pull it on Hashem's coat. And then he said that before he knew it, the floor, he said there was a puddle around him of his tears. And the whole Rosh Hashanah was, ready, was, 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 was the biggest tefillahs of his entire life. I don't know what that means. When we say the word, Tati, we say the word, Abba. We say, what does that mean, Bechlal? When a person works at Kirvis Alakim, and he, and, he, and he struggles with becoming close to the Barashalm, then he, he realizes, not only is he here with me, not only is he my father, he understands what's meant us. What does it mean that he's my father, Bechlal? What does it mean that I say that Hashem is my father? That he didn't understand that at all. He says, All your life you're saying, you're saying, Avi, my father, but you don't know that, you have no way of understanding what that means. This should be the first thing they teach us in school. The first thing. It's not only, it's not, and it's not the last thing, it's never taught. Never. What does that mean to be his children? The only understanding we have of children is, 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 is children that we, that we see. But we don't know if that means children. What is hidden in that term? A child of Hashem. What does that mean, Bechlal? It's not a question of intellectual understanding. 
Zuri Hasogis HaNefesh. You remember there was a book that came out a couple of years ago. I, I, read, I, I read a part of it. I don't remember the exact, the exact title. It made a Roshim in the world. Something, I think, emotional IQ, was that the... I don't remember the exact title. It was, it was something like that. And the... the, 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 the huh? Emotional title. Emotional title. Then the kuda of the book was that... The, the main kuda of the book, which my wife told me she was very misspelled from the book. The main kuda of the book is you could have a person. There are certain people that they could know and talk about. Talk about relationships in the most insightful way. And talk about closeness and talk about... But they're emotionally... Emotionally stupid, emotionally numb. That even though they can be very intelligent and they know how it's supposed to be, but they don't feel anything. But they don't have this. They don't have this emotional awareness. Many, many times, just you know, when when there are issues between husbands and wives, many times, more often is that the wife is trying to explain something. What what's wrong? What is it that's bothering me? And he and and and, and you hear the guy saying a thousand times, but but I don't understand. I I, I you know I don't understand. I, I got you. I got you an anniversary present. I don't understand. What's the problem? Uh, I don't understand. Uh, I, I, I uh, you know I work. I, I make a pranasa. You know, I, I do this. I do that. I don't understand. And it's so frustrating because the, the wife, the wife has an intelligent husband. It could be that he did he did maybe even better than her on on, on the IQ or the SAT or the GSATs or whatever. All the, he did better on all the Rashi Tavis, all those initials. And 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 yet what? He doesn't he doesn't get it. And you want to pull your hair out because the person just doesn't get it. You have that sometimes in a conversation with a kid, with your kid. You don't get it. I'm trying to talk to you about something. And the person doesn't get it. It's not a question of yeda sichli, of something of uh, of of that intelligence. Zil hasogas hanefesh. It's emotional intelligence. It's a matter of being emotionally attuned, emotionally wise. Kol moshel shall ben vaav. Any moshel that we have, this the, almost every moshel that we have. From Chazal is with a father and a son, right? To so the father and son, a king and a prince. That, that's the mashal that we have. Remember that those are only mashalim. In other words, what we have, the love that we have for our children, a parent has for a child, is only a mashal of God's love for each and every one of us. You know what it means, a mashal? It means epis epis something. But the Balsham HaKadosh said about himself, the Balsham said about himself, that he loves the worst Russia in the world more than any other Jew could possibly love his own son. We're not, we're not what that means. The Balsham said about himself, the lowest Jew on earth, he loves more than any person can love a child. That's how he loved the lowest Jew on earth. So when, whenever we say, all the Mishnah we have, every Mishnah begins, well, there was, a, the, the, there was a, the king and there was the prince, right? And there's something happened between the king and the prince. Now they're far away and they want to get back together. I mean, that's basically, right? A million Mishnah, that's, that's, the, that's the theme of many Mishnah. But that's only a marshal. It's only a marshal. And, and if you're, and if you're a, 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 a Jew that's listening to the marshal on a deeper level, then you could hear Hashem screaming out from Shemaim saying, 
That's not anything. That's mamish nothing. I love you a billion times more than your father does. I love you a billion times. It's only a marshal. A marshal is how a marshal is how you make a person can't think in an abstract way. So you're a little kid, you tell him one plus one plus mantis. You put an apple. Here's two apples. One one apple. Another apple. Me two apples. But it's because we kid, the kid can't think in an abstract way when you're so little. So you have to put two apples. And you tell him one plus one. He says two. Fine. So all the mashom that we have. So there's a father and there's a son. But that's only a marshal. The, the marshal is infinitely, infinitely more of a father than any human father. It's only a, it's only a marshal. God's love is 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 infinitely great. There there is that father that God forbid leaves a child. The Bible never leaves anybody ever. We think that we feel it, but it's not true. It says Never. The Bible never ever lets go of a yid ever. But we don't know. We didn't learn. We don't understand. We never. We don't feel that. And and how? What can we do to feel that? That's, that's what he's saying, it's, it's, it's much more. Any of the Mashal says can never capture the, this oymik, the depth of the Mahushal, Agoshas, Ben Shalakash Baruch, what does it mean to be a child of Hashem? If we would feel that, if we would feel that, then Pesach wouldn't be a burden. Shabbos wouldn't be a burden. Davni wouldn't be a burden. If we would feel that, if we would feel that every single myth would be the biggest chus, like you see the tzaddikim running. If we would feel that, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be. You have, if a, a friend asks you to do a tayv, you're happy to do a tayv. And the Baruch Shalom is a billion trillion times. It's not. There's no. It's only a marshal. A friend is only a marshal of Hashem. Lamanachai v'rei that he called us his friend. It's infinitely more. And the Baruch Shalom says, we, it's hard for us to bring ourselves to do anything. That that term, being a child of Hashem, that's above, that transcends any human definitions of any intellectual, any intellectual hagdaris definitions of, of of any relationship that we that we know of. It's just that that's the closest marshal is a parent and a child. It's when the neshama recognizes her father, when the neshama of a Jew knows her father. When, when it says in the Torah, when the Baruch Shalom said in the Torah, you're my children. If you just think of this, and you, and you, and he says, and you, and you try to absorb this, just on this level, the same way that I have a physical father, or I had, if he's if he's no longer in this world, but I have a physical father, I had a physical father, the same way, Kishem Shiyeshli of Gashmi, Kain Yeshli of Ruchni, so too, I have a spiritual father, and he says in parentheses, Hashem Yizak Yitzkum Lahagis at least this we should feel, but that's not it, that's not it, that I have a physical father, and have a spiritual father, Hashem, that's only the surface. That's only the marshal. That's not the nimshal. That's only the marshal. It's not the pnimius. It's not the inner truth. The deeper, deeper meaning of that, of, of that, of those words, Hashem's child, 
Yochel ha'odem la sigarak hashu margish kain benafshay. It's not just saying I have a physical father, I have, I have a spiritual. It's something that you could. That it's only if you feel that. It's not that somebody can explain to you it's, it's a matter of feeling it. So he says on uh, page Lamed. Page Lamed. Let's talk about a meeting, a, a reunion between a father and his son in Chumash. That we just had a couple of weeks ago. Ben Yaakov and Yosef. The meeting, the reunion between Yaakov and Yosef at Sadiq. B'shor shednif kishu Yaakov and Yosef ksiv v'yeser Yosef mekavta v'yalikos isol aviv goishna v'yerilov v'yipal atzavar v'yevch atzavar v'ayit. So everybody knows one of the most moving psukim in the entire Tanakh is Yosef goes to see his father, to see Yaakov Avinu, and he falls on Yaakov Avinu's neck, and he's sobbing, he's crying on his father's neck. How long, how long did that list, where it says in the Pesach, how long were they in that, in that state, where Yosef Tzadik was crying on his father's neck? Hechazal Oymim, Rashi brings down, Shiyakov Loinofal Altsavar Yosef, Loinoshkoi. Chazal tells that Yaakovinu did not kiss him, and Yaakovinu was not, was not uh, returning that same emotion at that moment. Omer Abbasayim, Shaykarishma, right? Rashi brings down, at that moment, Yaakovinu took that moment, Moral has a whole explanation in Gurayi, Yaakovinu took that moment and he said Shema, right? That moment he was saying Shema. So Kamazman Lokach Yaakov Kriyashma. Let's try to figure how long do you think it took Yaakov to say Kriyashma? Chatzisha, a half hour. I mean, that's a show. Ula Yosem, an hour, maybe a little bit more. I mean, how long? Mikomakom Laachazman Zeh. Nevertheless, after that time, it's just an hour. It took him to say Shema. Right, so Yosef Tzadik is is standing there, holding him, and Yaakov is is Shema. So it's a half hour, an hour. Mekom Elachas Manze. After that time, Avshi Yosef Yaakov Lenifkushu's Manrav. Even though it had been a long time, right? It had been a long time, twenty-two years since they'd seen each other. Mekom Elachas Cold Suris Hiskashus Azu. Nevertheless, twenty-two years have passed, and nevertheless, the whole Hiskashus, this whole. Attachment now, that came in this surah, in this form of Yosef throwing himself on Yaakov's neck, and Yaakov saying, Shema. It was for the sheer of time, was for half hour, an hour. Right? A half hour, maybe an hour, that they were holding each other like that. Yosef is crying, and Yaakov is saying, Shema. Everybody knows that, that Yaakov was in Mitzrayim for 17 years. That means that during those 17 years, Yaakov, Avinu, and Yosef were probably spending much time together every day. But they weren't, Yosef wasn't throwing himself on his father's neck crying, and Yaakov, Avinu, wasn't giving that moment, the highest moment of his life, with Shema. Good morning, how are you? How are things going? And so on. I, I mean, on the Madragas, I'm sure everything was very, very big and mysterious stuff. But it wasn't with that kind of a father-son thing. Somebody just told me recently, uh, someplace in Lahulani, where somebody was sitting, they said that, that they spent, that 
this, this person's father spent many, many, many years trying to get his brother out of communist Russia. Many years. Until finally, after like 25, 30 years, he got his father out of Russia. And I said, and we were very, my wife and I were listening to this, and it was an amazing story. And then he told me, but you know, the truth is that they, they really don't talk much now. <laughs> and they, they both live in, they're both in Brooklyn, and they don't have much of a shaykh. So they don't talk much. So, so, of course, Yaakov and Yosef was not like that. But that was that moment, a half hour, an hour, we say that, but afterwards it wasn't that kind of iskashes. Of course, even after that moment of that half hour of that reunion, that unbelievable outpouring of Ahava, certainly they remained attached to each other. But the powerful, that powerful explosive emotion was a small time, was a short time. Even by the two greatest Jews on earth, Yaakov and Yosef, who loved each other more than we understand what love means, and who hadn't seen each other in all those years. I remember last year that I try always during the winter to go visit my parents for two or three days in Miami. And, and my wife doesn't usually come, well, it's not really shy for her to, to get away. Last year it worked out, and we had to be there for Shabbos. I was going to speak someplace. So my, I was there for like a day or two. And then, my, and then my wife came, and I went to the airport, and I felt like I hadn't seen her in like 40 years. It was Mama's day. It was a day before. Mama's a day before. Two days, a day and a half before. And then the the, the his iris and his kashras, and we can't live that way as human beings. Every minute, right? So he says, "Im adam writes a marshal ma'yes kashras shall bein la'oviv shushmai." If we want a marshal of what it means, kirvus elikim li toiv. David Melch was speaking about with Hashem, our Father Hashem. Yilmud min Hamoshel said, "Let's learn from this Moshel. We can learn from this Moshel." Ulam beben etzlovi shemshmaim, because Yaakov and Yosef in this world were the two closest father and son. You can't get closer than that. In this world, the best Moshel of a father and son who haven't seen each other and love each other and are connected, all that stuff. It's Yaakov and Yosef. The difference is this. In the nimshal of God with a Jew, the vayipal tzavarov can be and is with tzaddikim every single second of your life. Vayipal tzavarov. Not that it wears off. Not that it gets weaker. Not that it just settles into this one's having his coffee, the other one's reading his newspaper. After the big airport reunion. Right? Whatever that is. But, but mamish, every second is, I want to throw myself on your neck and cry, and the other one is offering his heart up to the bone. Every second. Zuid suras chayiv shudovit v'koshot v'shboruch mamish, to live that way with Hashem. In, in other words, human love, even the highest human love, Yaakov and Yosef, is a marshal, a marshal, but the nimshal of the bone, shom of the yid, is, Hashem, every single second is like that with us. Every second, as we sit here right now, this second, he feels that relationship with us, Kivyachal, as if he just met us, having not seen us for a million years. Every second. And a Jew, should Every human being, of course, has times where he has nefilis. It's hard. Right? And, and, and we're learning about that in the this year on Monday morning, how to maintain a closeness after the diving, after learning, after Rosh Hashanah, how to maintain a closeness of learning a Maimah from the Alter Rebbe, and that Indian. 
but this certainly you are close. This is, that's, that's the Baltani story with the dance that we do with Hashem, that, we, that it's close and then you move away, and it's close and you move away. But the moving away is only to bring me closer and closer. As of Gashmi, let's just finish the paragraph. As of Gashmi, Eev Shalacha is Kalazman, Velipalatzavar. A physical father, you can't. Yosef couldn't hold on to Yaakov Avinu every single second. He couldn't keep on holding on to him. People have to live. People eat. They go to sleep. They can't live like that. Ulam Imakarish Baruchu. But with the Rabbanishalm, this is how the Tzadikim live. Ulam Imakarish Baruchu. Avinish Shalacha with our father in Shemaim. Evshele is Kash, Bakal Eisa, Bakal Shamamish. Every minute, Mamish. There's never a time that we can't. There's never a time that he's not reaching out to us in that way. Never. Never. If you wake up in the middle of the night, never. When a person comes to that madrega of the shechanti b'soicham, he feels the Bereshim dwelling within him. That the Bereshim is in your heart, mamish, begili mamish, revealed completely. That you can live in a constant relationship with Hashem the way that Yaakov and Yosef were together that moment that they hadn't seen each other in all those years. It's only a marshal. Really more than that. That is the Hizkashvus. That's the Hizkashvus. The, the, the connection that a soul has to Kadosh Baruch this is the tsuras chayim. This is the way of life when a Jew lives in a state of kivas alakim, in a state of tevekis to Hashem. Now we'll continue next week, Baz Hashem So he speaks there. We're going to continue to learn about about uh, what 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 this means for people like us, and and then and then steps hadracha of how to strengthen this hergish, this feeling that we have. And as I mentioned last week, if it's possible, I don't know if there the are tapes that are being made, but this is what we're learning also on, on, on Friday mornings with the men, not the cipher, but from the peers. That's not the Indian of, of developing a, a koyach to have a hergish, a feeling for Kaddish Baruch Hu's closeness in Hashem Sefer of the peers. That's just what we could die if you have a chance uh, to take a look over there, to listen to that. Okay. Huh? They are CDs? Oh, good. Okay, Shkaich. So that, I guess I, in the shul, I don't know, they're available. Uh, so Mitch, um, uh, we'll, we'll be back here. I want to thank again uh, Tovi and Avrami for, for welcoming us and, 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 and in advance for, for having us back, even though we didn't behave nicely. <laughs> for having us back. I'm just kidding. Okay.